But today we're going to start a new series and I'm excited about it because uh, we're gonna, I'm, I'm inviting you to go on a journey with us. Uh, Pastor Robin will preach next week. We've changed it up just to fool you, keep you on your toes. But he'll, he'll be here. He, he is here, but he'll be ministering next week. Um, but uh, we are going to start a series, and again, we're in, inviting you on a journey through the book of Exodus. And Exodus tells the story uh, about the uh, deliverance of, of uh, the Hebrew children from Egypt and the trip into the promised land. Uh, somebody said one time it would have probably, it, well, actually, it would have only taken two weeks, but Moses didn't want to, he was a man and didn't want to ask for directions, so it took him 40 years to get there. But um, now it's, uh, it, it, uh, it was a two-week trip, but they had lessons to learn along the way, and we're going to learn those lessons. I think the trip, the, uh, the Exodus is, is a rich book. Uh, it's supplemented by stories in Deuteronomy, supplemented in uh, stories in Numbers, and so we'll, I'm sure we'll kind of blend those things in, but we'll go through it chronologically so you can see how God delivered the children from slavery, and he brought them really into a place of sonship with, them, with him. Uh, the scripture says that he carried them on wings of eagles, uh, an eagle to himself. So God is the destination. Knowing him is the destination. Moses prayed, uh, Lord, let me know you. He said, let, teach me your ways that I might know you. So he, want, he understood the destination was to really know God, know his heart, know his mind. Uh, the trip is, a, is interesting. It's, a, it's about the story of God getting us out of Egypt, delivering us from the world and from the power of the enemy, and then he has to get, not only gets us out of Egypt, but he has to get Egypt out of us. And that takes a longer time. He got, he set them free in 24 hours, but it took 40 years in the desert to get Egypt out of them. That's the sanctification process. And then he brought them into the land of promise. Now for us, we get to, or the promised land, for us, we get to go to the land of promises where we live in the fruit and the blessing and the, uh, of, of the Lord. We live under the fruit of, of, of his promises and the things that he has promised and delivered on the cross to us. We learn how to walk in them, receive them, and, uh, and love him and follow him. So this is going to be a fun journey um, and uh, we're excited about taking it together. We're praying that God will just add to our numbers, and, and uh, we want to. Uh, we're going to print up some cards so we can invite people to this series because I think it'll be a, a very rich and a, a, f- a fruitful series in our lives. But it really does p- parallel the Christian life, and uh, and and it's so important. So for the starting point, I want to start with Moses having an encounter with the Lord. So Moses. Uh, you, you know his background, but I'll just give it to you real quick. Um, he, he was the little baby, Hebrew baby, that uh, was fished out of the, the Nile River uh, in a basket by Pharaoh's sister. And uh, she, she saw the little baby crying, and she took him in and, and uh, raised him as a prince of Egypt. And he grew up as a prince of Egypt. And when he, he got a little bit older, he realized he was a Hebrew and he identified, he chose to identify with the Hebrew people, and he decided to follow the God of the Hebrews, the true and living God. And, and that caused a conflict, and he saw that his people were in slavery, so he decided to be a deliverer. But at that point, he was a, a prince, and he was strong, and he was educated, and, and uh, he knew all the things of the world, and so he decided to deliver them with his own uh, rod at the time, so he 
saw a taskmaster mistreating one of the Hebrew servants, and he went over there and struck him with his rod and killed him. Uh, that led him to exile. And uh, he uh, was a murderer. He took this person's life and ended up in exile. And so then for the next 40 years, he's in the backside of the desert in, in uh, Midian, and he is, um, he is just being a shepherd there. So he goes from a prince of Egypt to a shepherd. And then later he becomes back. The second 40 years of his life, he's a deliverer, and he's God's leader of his, of his nation, of his people. So it's interesting. There's 40 years uh, blocks in his life. Uh, the total is, is, is 120. He lived to be 120 years old. The first 40, he was somebody. He was the prince. The second 40, he was a nobody. And then the last 40, he realized that God could do something with a nobody and do great things. And that was the preparation for God using him. So we're going to look at how this, this um, uh, little boy uh, grew up. Now he's on the backside of the desert. He's 80 years old, and he has this encounter. He, he has this encounter with the Lord. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert. It must be hard to graze sheep in a desert, but there's a, a, you have to travel a lot. Go, you have to keep moving to keep feeding them. And now he's on the far side of the desert. And I always thought, I don't know what the far side of the desert is. You know, I know what a desert is. I don't know how you get to the far side. But he's on the back side. That means that he's in the boonies. When you're in the boonies of a desert, you're in the boonies. So he's in the boonies of the desert. And, and, uh, and he comes to Mount Horab, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appears to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. But let's go back and just kind of break this verse down. It says that, that he, he was tending the flock and he was in the far side or the back side, the far side of the desert. And a lot of times that's where we start. We start at a distance from God. He was at a big, large distance from God. And he was in a desert. He was in a dry spot. Sometimes that's the very beginnings of our walk with the Lord. Sometimes it's, it's, we've walked with the Lord, but we get to these places. Uh, Moses was, was 40 years old. He had been following the Lord, and now he's 40 years in the desert. And he had come to a place where he felt distant from God. He didn't understand God's ways, and he was dry on the inside. He didn't have this encounter or this intimacy with the Lord. I mean, have you ever been in those kind of places? You understand that there's seasons like that in our lives. But that's not where God wants to leave us, thank God. <laughs> he doesn't want to leave us in the backside of the desert. He doesn't want to leave us in a dry place. And so he, he's notorious for showing up and doing strange things. God likes to to do really strange things. And when God does strange things, <clears throat> he oftentimes doesn't do the same thing all the time. And I'm glad of that. It's, but it keeps you on your toes because uh, we, we tend to see God do something and then we try to repeat it. Uh, we, we would be, if, if you know, it was interesting when Jesus was ministering, when he ministered healing to people, he always did it differently he just followed the leading of the Holy Spirit and listened to the father and he did whatever the father told him one time he you know he put mud in a guy's eyes and and one time you know he just spoke the word 
uh, blind eyes be open. One time, he put, one time he put the mud in his eyes. Can you imagine if, that, if you were the guy who saw Jesus healing and just laying hands on people and he, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes. And that particular Sunday, you brought your friend to Jesus, your blind friend to Jesus, and Jesus makes mud, puts it in his eyes. You go, this was not the right Sunday to bring my friend. This is, this is messed up. I, I wish I didn't do this. This is, not, this is not what I was expecting. But it didn't matter once his eyes were open, did it? Once he encountered God. And, and God just does different things. And um, this time he, he talked to a burning bush. I, uh, it, 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 again, our tendency would be to start a church right there and it'd be the first church of the burning bush. And if you, don't have, if you haven't seen the bush, you're not in. You know, but, but uh, this encounter uh, was unique. And that's, I just want you to be open to understand that, that look for God in unique and wonderful ways. He's an amazing God, and he wants to surprise you. He loves surprises. He loves to surprise us. I think that he must love surprises because he knows everything. So he likes to surprise us because so it's, you know, he, he likes to, to, to catch us in a situation where we are amazed and we glory. The time when God was amazed, when Jesus walked on the earth, he was amazed at times with his, uh, uh, as, as, as limited uh, God, God uh, function on the earth. You know, he, he, Jesus was all God and all man, but he didn't operate out of the Godhead when he was on earth. Uh, that it was, uh, he wasn't void, it was just veiled with his limitations uh, of, of human uh, mankind. And, and so when he, he ministered, he, at times when he saw faith, he was amazed. And, and he, he, he said, I am amazed at your faith. This is amazing. So God likes to surprise us. Um, then this bush, what was amazing about it was it was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. So here's what Moses did. The second thing is that after seeing this bush, the, Moses decided to go over and take a look at it. He made a decision. I need to go check this thing out. I need to find out what this is about. When God starts to move, there's a draw, there's a nudging, there's an encouraging. And, and maybe we, we, we don't know what's going to happen or we don't know all. But we feel this urging. I remember when I surrendered my life to the Lord, I didn't know what it meant. I, I was afraid. I thought, I'm not sure what this means. Will I be a missionary in, in Africa? And what is God calling me to do? And that, for me at that point was the last thing I wanted to do. Because you just have all these interesting images in your mind. Uh, I'd love to be a missionary in Africa now. But at that point, I thought, you know, what would that be like? And, or, or God would call me to be a minister. What would that be like? And, and I had all these fears of, not, of the unknown but I took the first step and said yes. I went over to see the strange thing that God was doing, what he was calling me to do. And when you go to check it out, is it some water? Do I, I'm sorry if I sound like a, something strange. Does it sound strange out there a little bit? Yeah. Hmm. Little, I could, you know, <clears throat> if it'll go low, I can sing love songs in a minute with the, what is it, Barry White or something like that? Love songs from the 80s, 90s, and oh, I'm sorry, I, yeah, but, <clears throat> but this is one of the things, strange things that God does. He loves to use you when you're, don't think you're usable. 
He loves to do things amazing. So he said, I want to go over and see this strange thing. The bush does not burn up. And I just want to say that God likes it when we check him out. God likes to be checked out. God likes it when we hear about amazing things that he's doing and and we take the time to find out what that's all about. And he sees it and he likes it. He wants us to have an encounter with him. He's called every one of us into an encounter, into a relationship with him. And so he says to him, hey, Moses, here I am. And he says, "Uh, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And that concept right there is an interesting concept. What what God is saying to him is is that I want you to, to not come before me with anything man-made between us. But because I'm here, I'm present, the ground is holy, so I want you to take off your, your sandals. Not because your sandals are unholy, but your sandals are man-made. And when you come into the presence of God, I don't want anything man-made. I want you to encounter me. I want you to rely upon me. When you take off your sandals in the desert, uh, you, you, you know, it's, it, particularly that desert was, it was rocky. And you had to walk tenderly. And it made you very aware of, of your movements and, and who you are in the presence of. And so he had him take off his shoes. But he's invited him to this encounter with him. That's where he's going. God wants to, him to have this amazing encounter. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. And you've probably seen pictures of it where he had his cloak on and he, or his, uh, the, the mantle that they wore at the time, and he, he hid his face from God. Now, I want you to understand something, that this is the beginning encounter that Moses has. This is the beginning of the journey for him. He has this encounter with God, and he hides his face from him. But, you know, at the very end, it said that Moses spoke face-to-face with God as a friend speaks to a friend. And that's where we want to get to. We, we might start where we feel like hiding our face, maybe hiding our face in shame, hiding our face because of failure. Maybe you've had a failed marriage or a failed business. You've, you've, you've ministered to somebody yesterday that they had two children and one really acted out all the time and the parent gave all the attention to that one and not to the other one. And, it was, it was, and they felt like they were left out. And so you might start at that point of feeling not wanted, not loved, not cared for, not needed, not worthy enough. He hid his face, but we want to get to a place where we talk to the Lord face to face. And we'll find out how we can do that. At first, we want to look at some obstacles. There's, there's some obstacles. When Moses has this encounter with God, there's some obstacles that come into, into play. And there are things that, that he has to deal with and work through. And the first is, is this. He, he, he focuses on himself and he says, who am I? Who am I that God would visit me? And let's look at that scripture. It says this, who am I? Exodus 3, 11 and 12. But Moses said to the Lord, he said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Don't you remember the murder I committed? I didn't start off well. I, I didn't, I really failed you. I, I really made a mess of things. I, I made it worse. 
for the Israelites. Uh, I, I'm not worthy to go on this journey. I'm not worthy to be your servant. I'm not worthy to be what you need to be. And I, not only am I not worthy, but I don't think I can do it. And I want you to see that that's a starting point. We understand that all of us at some point we realize that we've failed or we've, we've struggled or we've gone through depression or whatever it is that we've, we've struggled with. <clears throat> Don't let that stop you. But that might be your first question just like, Moses, who am I? His eyes were on himself, but I want you to see that God re- redirects him pretty quickly. God said, hmm. he didn't answer, who are you? He said, I will be with you. How many of you realize that helps a lot? Who am I? I'll be with you. That makes everything. That makes everything fine because he'll be with you. He says, who am I? God redirects his thinking. He says, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship right here at this mountain. I guarantee it. So that'll be a sign to you. I'll bring you right back to here. You know that cloud that they followed by day and the, the pillar of fire by night? God fulfilled his word, brought him back. Just another word. Oh, I remember this prophecy. God told me he would bring me here, and he's done it again. He's done it. But God wanted him to get his eyes off of himself. Now, I want to, you to think about your life for just a minute. Is there times when God has called you to do something, and you just felt like you weren't able? Maybe it's to be a life group leader, and, or, or maybe it's to uh, share your faith with somebody, and, and you just didn't feel equipped or trained, or, and you said, who am I? But God wants you to get past who you are and understand who he is. Look at the, what this scripture says. I, I, I love this scripture in Titus. We need to overcome condemnation if we feel guilty or unworthy. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says this, but when the kindness, the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And he just, he, he, it's not about us, it's about him. It's his love. His mercy and his grace that's delivered us from sin. He's made us whole. You know, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The Holy Spirit is called the finger of God because he will point out sin in our lives, but he'll touch on it. He'll point it out and show you the way out. What the devil does is he places shame or blame, condemnation upon you where you feel unworthy to even follow God. The Holy Spirit will convict you and show you what to do. The devil will make you feel like there's no way out, that you're trapped in that place of, of shame. I, I was in college one time. I was, we had a coffee house over in college over at Meredith, and we ministered. And we, This guy came to me, and he said, I had a dream. And in this dream, um, you know, the devil just, uh, the devil and God were wrestling over my life. And I was in the middle, and they were pulling me. And right in the middle of the dream, the devil said, you know, because of your sin, you're going to die, and I'm going to take you to hell. He had this, and he woke up, and he told me the dream. I was a new Christian. I thought, man, the first thing I thought, I didn't say it, and it was like what George Bush said, there's inside words and outside words. I kept those words inside, but I said, I said, uh, I said, I said, uh, uh, first thing I thought of, but I didn't say it, thank God. I, I thought, I'm glad I didn't have that dream. Man, that's, a, that's pretty scary. But I said, Lord, <clears throat> you know, what's the answer? And I said to him, oh, who was it that said you were going to die? He said, the devil. 
And I said, oh, he's a liar. You don't have to worry about that. Thank God. God didn't tell you you're going to die. You're in trouble then. Uh, and he said, oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a word of wisdom. I, I didn't even, you know, I was a brand new Christian, but God gave me the answer. The devil's a liar. And so you need to know that the devil is the liar. And he is the one who condemns. And, and God is the one who convicts. And so he makes us ready through the blood of Christ. He's equipped us. He's made us ready. He's called us. And who he calls, he equips. And so I want to encourage you in that. And then the second um, question that he asks is, well, who are you? Who are you? And let's look at that verse. It says in Exodus, um, Moses said to God, he said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? And then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you shall say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. You see, this is a good question he asked. He said, you know, you're sending me on a mission. Now I understand more. It's not about who I am. It's about who you are, but who are you? You know, I, I, now I know who I am, but now I need to know who you are. So he says, well, I am. Now, I am is not a non-answer. I am is an answer that means I am all-sufficient. You tell them that I'm all-sufficient. You need healing, I am. You need provision, I am. You need deliverance, I am. Whatever you need, I am what you need. And that's what that declaration was. It wasn't a non-answer. It was I am what you need. I am what you need for all of life, all of godliness, all of victory. I am what you need. And he declared that to them. And he was glad that he had a word to go with because otherwise he would have had to gone and said, hey, Israelites, you guys in slavery, let's gather around. I was talking to a bush last weekend. And the bush told me to tell you it's time for us to go. What was the name of the bush? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just uh, mulberry bush, I think it was. Um, but uh, it, it said that I'm supposed to come. And, well, that's a, that's a tough sell, isn't it? Um, the bush told me. Um, but he came in with a word, and he said, the great I am. And here's the issue here is, is that we need to overcome doubt. Overcome doubt. Uh, is, <sighs> Moses is God at this point when he was on the backside of the desert and dry. He'd gone through a lot of trauma in his life. I mean, you go from being the prince to being in exile. And you're not welcomed by another wonderful kingdom. You're in the desert. And you're just scratching out a living, watching some sheep. You're thinking that your life is, is pretty much over. And that there's no more eventful things that are going to happen. There's no more purpose. There's no, you're just going to live out your life and die in your old age. There's no real purpose for you. Couldn't figure out. That was the strangest beginning of my life. I was put into a river and adopted and to the royal family, but 40 years out here in the desert, I think God must have forgotten us. You know, I would hear stories about Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and all these miraculous things, but God's bailed on us. I mean, I'm over here and his people, his people are out in the uh, desert. I mean, his, his people are in slavery. I'm out in the desert and God's bailed. He said, no, 
No, I am. I am. Is your God too small? Let me say this. It says in Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God. We used to sing this song. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. Thy outstretched arm. And uh, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Let me tell you, when you begin to pray in the morning, this is a good way to pray. I I always pray, not always, but a lot of times when I pray and I come before the Lord, I say, Lord, I thank you that you hear me because I want to establish that. And I know that you always hears me. And I thank you that I can come before your throne boldly. But I thank you for who you are. And I began to say, Lord, you are the God of all uh, possibilities. You are the God of the impossible. You are the God with all power and all might. You are the God who loves and cares. You know why when we ministered yesterday, I'm sorry, I sound like something out of a horror movie, but anyway, uh, the the Lord just loves, loves people. You know, when when Marla said, Marla said, how can you go over here relaxed to go minister? And I said, because I know God loves them more than I do. And all I have to do is say, God, love them through me. And he'll do it. And he did. And he did through you. <clears throat> starting to sound like Mickey Mouse. I'm sorry. Take me. We'll go to Disney World after this and fit right in. Nothing is too difficult. Would you declare? Let's stand for a minute and just declare that. I'm just going to give you some exercise. We'll sit down for one last point. But nothing's. let's say, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. One more time. Nothing is too difficult for you. Okay, you can sit down, but I tell you, whatever you're facing, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult. And, and that is so important because God, God, you know, we, we tell God how big our problems are. God wants us to tell our problems how big he is. And he will move. And then one last obstacle that keeps us from encounters uh, is what if, what if? And he says, Moses says, what if they won't receive me? He says simply, what if, uh, Moses answered and said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and they say the Lord didn't appear to you? Man, you're crazy. You're talking about a God appearing to you in a burning bush. Never heard of that before. And sometimes we let what others think determine what we choose to do. But I want to tell you, don't let the fear of man be a snare to you. I found that the bolder I am, the more that I touch other lives. I I used to try to uh, be somewhat apologetic. Oh, I don't want to offend you, but, you know, and I just, I've come to the conclusion that go ahead and offend them. Just tell them that you love Jesus and he loves you. And if they have a problem with you, you say, I'm so sorry, but he loves you too. You gotta overcome fear. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and the Gentile. I'll just tell others about him, be bold, and you'll find he'll move in a mighty way. And then lastly, and I think this is important in, the, in, the, in closing, he said, I've never, I, I've never spoken eloquently. I, you're asking me to do something I've never done. How many of you know that God enjoys asking us to do things that we've never done? You know why? Because it takes faith. And it's impossible to please him without faith. And so God, said, God says, this is what I want you to do. I've never done that before, Lord. But I want you to.
And if you'll step out, you will see God move. You will see God show up. And that's how you put a demand on his spirit. You don't demand him to do things. It's like CPNL's got, or whatever we have now, power, uh, Duke Energy. It's got power in the plug, but you've got to put a demand on it. You've got to draw it. You've got to plug something into it. And the way you plug God into God and put a demand on him is you do what you believe he's told you to do. You step out in faith and he'll show up and the power will flow. So who am I? Get over that hurdle when you ask, who am I? Who am I that God should use me? And who are you? I want you to make sure your God is big enough. And what if, don't live in the what ifs. Overcome fear and trust the leading of God. And then I've never, I've never spoken eloquently. Don't worry about that. Know that God who made the tongue, God who made you, will work through you to do mighty things, to bring his kingdom on earth. We're going to start this journey. We're going to go from wanderers to worshipers, from, from slaves to sons, from the land of bondage into the land of God's promises. And it'll change our lives forever. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.